From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 421. Today's show is brought to you by Sourcegraph, Fitbod, DoorDash, and Doppler. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. It's very exciting. It's the summer of fun. Summer of fun! Summer of fun! Oh, I realize I haven't said that in a couple of weeks. We got a special episode for you. You know, you're uh, here now, and then mm-hmm. you're going to go away, and then you're going to come back. And in between, we'll have a special episode. All of this episode was recorded in advance, in various stages of advance, which is fun. Indeed. So we have some guests later on, which we'll tell you about in a minute. This was recorded uh, after we recorded episode 420. We did. But then we put the thing in from further back in Mm -hmm. time and brought it forward, and that's how time works. So anyway, 421, here we are. I have a hashtag snow talk question for you. Okay. Comes from Sava, who wants to know, Jason... What's your tea set up when you're not at home? <laughs> because, of, well, I mean, unless you take the robot with you. I don't take the robot. Tea robot bags, stays at home. Something more elaborate? What happens? Um, so we do pack tea bags just in case there's no tea that we like, because that mm-hmm. happens. Uh, we were just traveling, and day one, there were two English breakfast tea bags left at the hotel breakfast, and so we used those. And then we came back the next day, and guess what? There were none, because <laughs> we apparently finished that off. So then I used the English breakfast tea bags that we brought. So we bring some tea with us. Um, usually in scenarios where we can't, we don't have a kettle or something like that, um, we will bring tea bags just in case uh, for that very reason. Like they've got hot water, but not the tea that we like. Uh, if we've got access to a kettle, I have a little um, pot that holds it's it's like metal. I got it on Amazon. It holds uh, actually the same amount of water as the tea robot. And it's like a thermos and it's got a tea strainer in it. So I can actually, if I have a kettle, I can pour the hot water in at, over the leaves and then remove the leaves. And I've got a thermos dis- dispenser thing with two with uh, four cups of tea in it, which is perfect. So I bought that. It's a good fit, and I will take that when I travel if I'm going to be somewhere where I can make tea with like boiling water. But um, if we're just going to Oregon and we're staying in one of these motels that's got a hotel breakfast, we just bring the tea bags and deal with it. Uh, 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 making water, you know, for tea in hotel rooms is terrible because uh, it used to be that there was a coffee maker, but the water you get out of the coffee maker just tastes like coffee already because they use it to make coffee. Um, and now they now it's all like pods, all like coffee pod things, which you can't. Yep, the Nespresso e- nonsense. E- even more, you can't uh, get the, just get me the hot water out of it. So in the end, you know, in situations like that, um, we will either go down and use the hot water from the hotel or we stay on the street we stay on when we go to Oregon um, is next to a Starbucks. And you just go over there and they, they actually have black tea for us to yep. drink. So those are our choices. The typical answer is just find a Starbucks or whatever, right? Because you can get those basically everywhere. Yeah, and bring and bring the emergency tea bags in case mm-hmm. uh, the place that you're staying doesn't have uh, any tea that you want to drink. But like like I said, if I if I have access to a kettle, if it's an Airbnb or something like that, I will bring the little uh, the little pot, and it works great. Yeah, I will say as a uh, as a coffee drinker, I do envy tea drinkers. Why? Because it's easier, I think, to get a 
possible version of what you're looking for. Oh, that's probably true. I, I view it from the other perspective, which is in America, especially it's a coffee culture. And so everybody knows how to make coffee. We were out to, mm. we were out to breakfast the other day and well, yeah, we'll get to it. But like we were out to breakfast the other day at a place that served hot tea and they were like, even though they serve it, they were confused about like they brought it, they brought it in a little thing with the leaves in it, which was really nice, but they didn't have a strainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, you're like pouring bad. the leaves out that's and we had to get them, and and that, that just happens a lot where people don't know, or they bring it and they expect it to just sit forever in the hot water, sure. which is like, well, no, you can't do that. It gets all bitter and bad, but they don't know because they only know about really how to do coffee. Now, to your point, though, I appreciate the fact that if you like good coffee, um, it can be harder to come by and harder to make for yourself and all of those things. I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, I will say that bad coffee is everywhere and... Right. Really bad. That's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Don't like it. Get a, get a McDonald's coffee. Especially in... Well, you know what, actually? McDonald's coffee for, like, high street coffee, pretty decent. Interesting. I have heard that from other people, that the McDonald's... That, that McDonald's seems to have realized that, yep. that they would not be able to sell um, food to people <laughs> if they couldn't have decent coffee in their stores. So they, I think they do a pretty decent job. Interesting. I, I think they uh, of of the you know there are there are chains in the UK like, in my opinion, the worst is Costa Coffee. I don't care if you like Costa Coffee. I, I think Costa Coffee is terrible. I prefer a McDonald's coffee to a Costa Coffee any day of the week. Interesting. All right. What about Starbucks? That's my choice. All right. Um, if I if I have to go if like I'm if I need like a chain coffee. That's the one that I'm gonna gonna go for because I know that there's some uh, level of reliability out out mm. of it. I always recommend the blonde roast at Starbucks because it's not really 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 dark, which Starbucks is very darkly roasted coffee. I mean, obviously, I would always prefer the small coffee shop, the independent coffee shop, but you can't always get them. They're not always available. Right. Well, there's something that that's the thing about chains that's great is that there's usually a consistency there. And if you find something you like consistently at a chain, it may not be great, but it's consistent and you at least know what you're going to get. There's something to that. Mm -hmm. If you would like to send in a question of your own to help us open an episode of the show, you can just send in a question over Twitter with the hashtag SnowTalk, or you can use question mark SnowTalk in the RelayFM members' Discord. You can get access to this Discord if you're a RelayFM member. You can go to getupgradeplus.com and you can become a RelayFM Relay member and also get access to Upgrade Plus, which is longer, ad-free versions of the show every each and every single week. Which is amazing. Even on episodes where we record them in advance, you still get extra content because amazing. we care about you and we, we want care. you to have that That's extra right. content that we promised you. So I said that there was something coming up today. So on this episode today, Jason, you're going to be joined by Rosemary Orchard, Federico Vitici, and Matthew Castanelli to talk about what? Automation. It's, Could you I've assembled it? the automation, Apple automation in specific, like automation all stars. Oh, yes. Okay. Automation All-Stars, Automation Avengers, if you like, that's fine, uh, to talk about the present and future state of automation shortcuts and otherwise on Apple's platforms. So I've, I've brought in 
Rosemary Orchard from the Automators podcast and Federico from all the things Federico does that are from related Federico. to automation. <laughs> from Federico's <laughs> business, Max Stories, etc. Connected Max Stories Universe. And Matthew Casanelli, who used to work on Shortcuts and now does Shortcuts stuff at his website, which is just MatthewCasanelli.com. Very clever. Uh, uh, and he is his own brand. And they, uh, But they're never usually talking about automation together, so I got them together. So you got that to look forward to. Jason mentioned automators, relay.fm slash automators. That's the place where you can go to get uh, Rosemary and, and David Sparks' show all about automation here at Relay FM. Jason, I noticed you posting something about the iOS 16 audio scrubber. Right. Did that a few weeks ago. Yep. The scrubber. You seem to like it. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Hmm. In the beta, what they've done is they've taken the little little dot away that indicates um, where you are in terms of volume or in terms of location in, in a track and replaced it with a uh, contrast. It's like a, you know, a, gray, a, a light gray and a dark gray or something. There's a contrast between them that shows the progress. But uh, more than that, the dot is gone, which means the touch target of like where to drag is gone. And that's good because you can actually touch anywhere and then drag left or right to move the progress or volume up or down. And I think it's a less less precision being required is a good thing. I've heard counter arguments that maybe they could leave the dot or some other uh, more, more noticeable indicator of status while making the whole area swipeable, and that would be a compromise. My The thing that I like about it is that I like that the whole area is swipeable so you don't have to feel like you have to hit the little tiny target or you miss and then nothing happens. And also I like the fact that when you hit it, it expands, it gets bigger. Um, so it's more visible as you're swiping. I think that's actually a nice effect. I think I'm just going to get used to it because I think when I immediately saw it, I was like, oh, you can't do it anymore. Like you can't scrub anymore. That was my immediate reaction. I don't know why I thought that was the case, but that's just how it looked. Because the bar looks the same, yeah. really. It's but just with the no dots do- no control. No control. This feels very iOS 7 to me. It It is. And, and that's why I think that I, I saw people pushing back against it. And I initially thought, oh, no, what have they done? And then I used it and I thought, oh, no, this is this is better. I actually like this better. I can see... There's an argument that the keeping it in the bar and having it be, uh, you know, two shades of gray is perhaps a little too subtle if you're trying to get a quick read on where you are in a song or what the volume level is. Um, I get that. I'm not sure the little dots are the right approach. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know because the little dots are they are a little skeuomorphic. Um, I'm not sure the little dots are the right thing to do, but I can see the argument that there ought to be something a little more visible about where you are in the spectrum from, you know, far left to far right. And um, I, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair point, but I really love the behavior. I love not having to hit that little tiny touch target because I think it was unreasonable. And I, yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I tried to grab the volume slider and slide it up and missed and did a whole gesture that did Nothing, because I didn't get it exactly pixel perfect on that little teeny tiny dot. And that's stupid, right? Like, you've got that whole bar there. View it view it as a little um, scrubber bar that you can touch anywhere to adjust it either direction. 
that's a that that interaction is better but the visual that one that you can touch it and that two like at a glance where are you i can see the arguments i definitely I, I think the contrast got better in later betas. In early betas, I actually looked at it and I couldn't, I thought it was just a gray bar. Like I didn't even realize there were two contrasting bars because, uh, and I think they, I think they've amped up the contrast. I think, I think have, in later yeah. betas, it looks yeah. better. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I, what I've kind of, after I read your article, I liked it more because I realized you could do the thing where you could start the scrub from anywhere. Right. I would never assume that that's something you'd be able to do though. I would always yeah. just assume, unless until I was told by you, I would just assume I have to get my finger to try and be like basically where the middle is, like where it used to be. You know? Yeah. So how do you communicate that if you're Apple? Um, that's that's a that's a question. Uh, you can't. And then what will happen is, uh, some point in nine months from now, someone will tweet. I can't believe that nobody knew. You can do this. And then everyone goes wild. It, it'll be a TikTok video. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be like, oh my God, look at my finger. It goes back and forth. And, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. and that'll be a, that'll be like a bazillion people will watch it and reveal that that and was a feature that was there. And there'll be Jason a bunch of articles. say like, I wrote about it in July. And they'll yep. say, go away, old man. Old man, no one reads your blog. Turn it into mm-hmm. a TikTok. And then there'll be a bunch of other articles written about, has Apple's discoverability issues gone too far with software? And like, why can't Apple make a tips app? But they do, and no one wants to use right. it. And then we go around and around and around. Yeah, why Why time. isn't this more skeuomorphic? I, I want the volume slider to be made of a, a, like a wood, wood. grain. <laughs> sure. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Sourcegraph. So you've hired a brilliant developer. That's great. But now you've got to get them onboarded. And if your company's growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence. But it's a big undertaking every time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project that their new team is working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working on are already large. Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it's findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store their knowledge in multiple locations, at least two, how do you make that knowledge accessible to those that need it most importantly when they need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph will have to rely on asking colleagues, reviewing out-of-date documentation. This is cumbersome. This is time-consuming. This is not what you want. With Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else in the process. So when questions do come up, you know it's going to be the big stuff that's worthy of taking the extra time to solve. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier. And today, they are working with leading companies across every single industry, three out of five top tech companies, and PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, Atlassian, and many, many more. Go to about.sourcegraph.com to learn more today. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for yours. Just click the link in the show notes to let them know that you heard about them from this show. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for their support of Upgrade and Relay FM. Okay, it's time for the Summer of Automation with my special guests. Let me introduce them to you now from Mac Stories and the Connected Podcast and so much more, Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. 
Hello, Jason. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for being back on Upgrade. I think maybe the last time you were here, you predicted successfully predicted the Downstream <laughs> podcast. So thank you. Yes, I did. For doing that. You got the name a little bit wrong, but close enough. Mm-hmm. I'll give you full points. Close enough. No, thank you. Thank you. You were sort of the inspiration. I've been thinking, you got in my head. I was like, oh, that would be a good podcast. Maybe we should do that sometime. Do these points count for the connected quiz? Uh, consult <laughs> just, Mike, just I guess. <laughs> Ask him okay. if they count. It's like turning in a coupon or something. I got this All coupon right. that Jason wrote that says 100 points. <laughs> I got points. a coupon from Jason. Does Can it count? It? <laughs> and he'll discount it to one point or something like that. Uh, Rosemary Orchard is also here from Automators and iOS Today and rosemaryorchard.com and so many other things. Rosemary, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I mean, especially with all of you awesome people. It's we're 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 doing we're doing cross like I, I wanted a people from all over who don't always talk every week about automation mm-hmm. to talk to, with together to get together. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I invited Matthew Casanelli of uh, the perfectly named MatthewCasanelli.com. Hello. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited. This is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, I think so. A few years ago, there was that Masters of Automation event in Santa Clara that um, Paul Kent put together and Sal Segoian was there. And there's it was a and uh, the the I believe the uh, shortcuts team was present but silent because they had been absorbed. Were you at that? Matthew? I was not. I think I think I knew that they were there though. They were they like... were there. It was funny too because we're all talking about <laughs> Apple automation and they're like do 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 because they hadn't been announced. <laughs> uh, there was nothing. It was they were in in sort of stealth, absorbed into Apple mode. Um, and we did a we did an upgrade episode way back when about that. And I thought this would be a fun uh, way to revisit automation and also not bore Mike. So Mike <laughs> can take a take a step back. Uh, I mean, not excite Mike too much with automation talk. I know he gets a lot of it from Federico too. Um, I wanted to start with uh, the personal. I wanted to start by asking all of you sort of like what when we talk about we talk about user automation and, and creating like computers are dumb. And so you create uh, tasks that uh, computers are good at and that humans shouldn't have to worry about. And that's like the core of what uh, doing user automation is all about. Uh, and we all write and talk about automation professionally. But I'm curious about your own personal use, the stuff that you are really using the most these days in your lives to automate your lives. Uh, Rosemary, what about, well, let's start with you. What what are you automating with these days? I mean, my house. Um, that okay. That's that's one of them. And the Shortcuts app, um, of course, is another. Uh, but, you know, it really depends on what the problem is that I'm looking to solve. Is it that I'm struggling to wake up in the mornings, in which case, you know, automated curtains and blinds are a useful solution? Or is it that I need to be able to add a consistent list of things I need to do to prepare for going into the office for a day to my task list, in which case, you know, Shortcuts is or well actually combined with drafts in that case are going to be my automation weapon of choice um is it a weapon i don't know tool can be. tool seems tool seems a little bit minimizing the effect that automation can have because it, it really can have a huge effect um on everything in your day um and actually help construct your day i find but yeah i've, I've been doing a, a lot specifically home automation related but of course all of the personal automations and shortcuts are constantly especially thanks to the betas going through uh some kind of evolution what about you matthew i've been automating like every inch of my life and so that's been <laughs> Uh, a little bit of an undertaking and way, way too much, I think, because I've kind of been going for, I still am trying to like teach people about all of the 
possible capabilities. And I got so into it myself that I feel like I started to recognize I needed to share more with people. And so <laughs> I have been focusing a lot more on my actual workflow and publishing articles and doing live streams and kind of stacking all of those things within a week because that's one of the big things is it's multimedia and it's a lot of context switching. And so Shortcuts is really good for setting you up for the right context when you need it and then hiding things when you don't need it. Or I guess that's part of iOS now too, but I'm doing tons with focus modes and widgets and then also like Stream Deck on the Mac to kind of replicate that experience there. Wow, focus modes. I am only, I still am just sort of like, I have one focus, I have a focus mode <laughs> that I use sometimes uh, when I'm writing and sometimes I forget. Or what I do is I'm writing and then somebody bugs me and I think, oh, right, this should be focus mode so they don't bother me. All right, team, we have a mission. <laughs> yeah, I have just have not gone down that path as much. Yeah, the way they did it in iOS 14 was kind of weird. So I think it's probably better this year. Yeah, yeah, or probably 15. so. Federico, I know you you've talked about uh, Obsidian a lot, but is that mm -hmm. is that your big your big automation right now, or are there other things that you're doing that are key to what you do? Well, yeah, uh, so I, I really go back and forth on this because uh, I've been through the the various stages of life where I try to automate everything, right? And uh, you try to automate your house and how you listen to music and when you work out, and th and then over time I kind of realized two things that if you at least personally, uh, when I try to automate everything and anything, it's easy to lose control and it's easy to forget like things start happening and then you realize, oh, I didn't realize I set up this automation months ago. And so, and also I should mention that, you know, uh, sometimes, especially when you live with someone else, uh, your partner doesn't necessarily appreciate all the crazy automations you've set up, right? So you got to be especially mindful of what you're setting up in the house and if the other person or other people agree with what you're doing. Mm. So mm -hmm. I've been through that, <laughs> I've been through that stage as well. But I think lately what I realized is that, yes, um, there's, I would say 50% of the automations that I that I use on the Mac and now also on, on the iPad, I want to say, um, in, in some shape or form, integrate with Obsidian. But the other types of automations, I think are most useful on, on the iPhone. Um, and these are automations that are used for, they are work-related, but also for personal use. And I really like it when they just happen reliably and consistently mm -hmm. without any input. So to give you an example, something that I do all the time is when I copy a link to a tweet from the official Twitter app, um, the Twitter app appends all those ugly tracking parameters to, to the tweet. And I don't really want to have those things in my in my URL when I send it to somebody else. So a simple automations that I, automation that I have is whenever I close Twitter, that's a trigger that you can you can use. Um, it cleans up the link for me. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do anything else. I set it up months ago. It uses a regular expression to take care of the unnecessary part of the link I don't want. And it cleans up the link for me and it pastes it back into the clipboard. And that's the kind of automation that I find myself relying on most these days. There's the Obsidian commands for sure, but there's also the stuff on the iPhone that it just happens. But I'm very... Um, judicious about it, I guess. I have maybe five of these. I, I don't want to overdo it. It's a lesson that I've learned, I think, over, over the past couple of years. Is it basically doing, like, it's looking when you 
when you leave Twitter, it yeah. looks at the clipboard and says, is there a Twitter link on the clipboard? And yes. if so, I yes. I rewrite it and put it back on the yep. clipboard. So when you exit Twitter, yep. that clipboard gets cleaned up to something nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And only if it's a link to a tweet, not a link to a profile, for example, or not a link to a to Fancy. to an image, right? Uh, so it looks at the at the type of link and it cleans it up and it copies it back. So that by the moment I'm opening iMessage or Discord, the link has already been cleaned up. That makes perfect sense. I really like that sort of thing. And there is a lot to be said about reliable automations, right? I'm sure all of us at some point have created something to demo something to somebody else and then forgotten (laughs) about it. Um, And then gone, wait, why is my phone doing this weird thing? I had a really weird issue with an alarm going off at at like 6.25 p.m. uh, every day for a week until I realized it was one that I'd set up uh, to demo. I think it was on iOS today. And it's like, oh, right. I really (laughs) need to start disabling those like the second I finish the show. I have a lot of unnamed. Named, I mean, I know this is just sort of uh, uh, more for people like us than for regular people, but like uh, my shortcuts uh, fi- file uh, window is littered with badly named or not named shortcuts <laughs> that are like, let's try this or here's a sample. And then it just stays there forever. And I, and, and every once in a while, I think, I, what are these things? And the answer is they're all garbage. And I just have left. Them I there. create those in a folder. So I have mm, a specific smart. folder for demo, which I always go to before I start creating like random examples like that, because then I know I can just nuke everything in that <laughs> folder and it's gone because otherwise, especially now, because this is something the shortcuts team have done to try and improve things, right? They're, they're giving things like a name from like a variable or the first autom- uh, action step. But that means that it's no longer really easy to find all of your uh, untitled shortcuts um, it's just automatically with like a search in the app, um, which is, it's both a great thing and also a bit of a shame. I think for the vast majority of users, this is a win. Um, and possibly, you know, us, us here on the podcast are, are the outliers going, uh, this, this is potentially a bit of a problem because <laughs> I can no longer find the unnamed shortcuts in my library. I had a shortcut to, that used the iOS 16 action to search shortcuts. And I mm. searched for the word new shortcuts so that I could find the ones that I hadn't finished yet. <laughs> it's too it's much meta for your shortcuts. This oh, is yeah. what Federico I mean, was talking about, get about getting too, too deep down in. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you say that, yeah. but also it is a very easy way to find those ones specifically and especially combined with the new delete shortcut action. Um, like I'm using that to clean up my demo folder now, which is great. But, um, you know, it's, it's surprising actually how far very short action shortcuts can get you. Like Jason, my immediate instinct to you saying you don't use focus modes is you press the stream deck button when you start recording. Yeah. Why don't you tie a focus mode into that triggered via a shortcut and you can have it auto turn off after two hours or whatever it is Hmm. um um, or you could have the turn off tied into the other side of the button that turns uh that stops your recording so that it turns off your focus mode you're absolutely Um, right because i I find that a lot of a lot of the benefits from automations are actually small building blocks that then you stick together so that you have a bigger thing. So, for example, you know Federico's uh, tweet that ends up building part of a bigger workflow for him. I'm I'm guessing in some cases, but not in every case. But it's a it's a very useful building block which you can reuse as you need to. Um, and you know I think that's where automation can really become a, a much bigger and easier thing for people to. To, to to understand when they realize, you know, actually I've got lots of little Lego bricks together and I can stick them together and I've got a little wall and then you've got a house and then you've got a castle. And before you know it, you've got a moat and a trebuchet and there's, you know, no chance of invaders, even that's though that's I'm not at. what you're aiming for. But hey, your <laughs> curtains open and close automatically. It's funny that you mentioned that because that's actually one of my favorite automations right now. And it's a very simple home 
home app automation. But I did get some um, blinds for my office after being in it for seven years. And in the summer, just basically I would run outside and I had a thing that I would throw over the roof that would block the sun from shining right in my face in the in the afternoon. And I finally got some blinds that are uh, they're uh, they're the they're smart blinds. They're Lutron Casita Mm -hmm. uh, smart blinds. And the automation is great because it's keyed on sunset. And I was able to figure out how many hours or minutes before sunset does the uh, sun shine in my face. And uh, and now they go down at that time. And it's just as the sun is starting to hit my desk and they go back up um, right before sunset after the but after the sun is already kind of behind the uh, house next to mine. And I love that nice. one. But most of my um, most of my active automations are. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Stream Deck stuff, and I know I, before we started recording, I mentioned that um, my favorites are the basically press to start recording kind of thing because I like the I like the tactile nature of that, and uh, and mm-hmm. not having to open Audio Hijack and get the right thing out and press the button, and mm-hmm. having the ability to just press this one button, and it now that Audio Hijack has uh, JavaScript scripting inside of it, um, having it be able to fire off the exact right thing. Um, and then at the end, when I press that button, uh, and it changes because I'm using Keyboard Maestro as an intermediary, it is changing um, the the content of the button. Really wish that there were other ways of doing that. Um, really wish that Stream Deck, well, I mean, really wish Stream Deck was better. <laughs> It's the Stream Deck. I app mean, it was does better. have that toggle, right? It's it's got that. Um, I can't remember what it's called now in Stream uh, Stream Deck terms. It's like but a that two, doesn't two way switch yeah. or something like that. And yeah. and it does. I mean, the the challenge there is that it, it's not very smart. Um, whereas no. my automation is actually uh, getting a response back and evaluating it and deciding whether it's truly on yeah. or off and changing based on that. Whereas uh, mm-hmm. the Stream Deck thing, if it gets out of sync, it just stays out of sync on on its yeah. on its toggle. I also have some multi-switch toggles. So for upgrade, I I, I go through um, the state where I, I press the button and it opens the Zoom chat and the, the show dock. And then I press it again and it starts my recording and I press it a third time and it stops the recording and moves the recording into Dropbox for Mike. So it's a three stage thing and I change what's on the button for all three stages. And recently I um, uh, upgrade, I think we mentioned this on upgrade. Recently there was an episode where the first 10 minutes of my audio is from Zoom because I forgot to start recording. Um, And that led to an automation, which is something that, Rosemary, I think you mentioned about that, kind of like you start to build um, mm. where I ended up with uh, a new step in my process when I press that button the first time to just connect to the Zoom. It starts a almost like a throwaway disposable recording of my microphone. And then when I press it again to start the actual recording, um, Audio Hijack actually has this built into its automation library. Um, if it's less than 15 or 20 minutes of audio, it just throws it away. And because it, I've I've done the right thing, but what it does mean is that if I don't press that button, I have a recording anyway <laughs> that I can send to Mike, and and that's just uh, I I I had that moment where I thought, okay, this needs to be better. This automation needs to improve because it's not serving this this failing of mine, which is I didn't press it a second time. So how do I fix that? And that led to another step. Is there any reason you wouldn't just use like multiple buttons instead of the same one? Because that's kind of my, I don't know, this might be too much Stream Deck technique, but like I have pages and I just use multiple pages and have one step for each part of the process. I'm trying to be as minimal as possible. So I do have multiple 
profiles in Stream Deck, but I don't like the idea of having multiple pages and having to do a lot of Stream Deck work. I kind of want to keep it to, in this case, the five by three grid of my little Stream Deck here. Totally. I, and I kind of, I would rather, you know, I have an upgrade button, so it should know. And the incomparable button is the same way, where it goes through three states and it changes based on that. And that, that's that that's basically my preference. I I think because I started out with a Stream Deck Mini. My focus has always been like multi-use buttons. <laughs> well, it's whatever you feel comfortable with, right? Because the best automations are the ones that actually work for you. And it doesn't matter if it works really well for me or for Matthew or for any of the people listening. It's got to work for you, the person who's actually using it, which is one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, some people do struggle with things because they're looking at how somebody else is doing something and maybe they don't have that piece of hardware or they don't you know, they, they're not sure that whether or not NFC tags are going to be the right thing for them and things like that. And you get very stuck into the, well, this is how, you know, other people do it. So being able to reshape it to fit whatever your actual needs are. Um, and also, as Federico mentioned, you know, the needs and the wants of the other people in your house, which may not right. be blinds <laughs> opening and closing automatically all the time um, and lights turning on and off to let you know that, you know, it's time to go do this thing. Flashing the lights in the whole house when you're not the only person living in your house is probably going to... You know, at the very least, not necessarily make you everybody's best friend. So, you know, you've got to figure out what works. And that certainly sounds like it would work for me. Though my concern would always be the it's got out of sync um, situation, which you alluded to with the, the two-state button. Yeah, that's nothing worse than an automation that doesn't doesn't know whether it's open or closed or on or off. And yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, I mean that's where Keyboard Maestro is really good with uh, the Stream Deck because it can just say, "Hey, you're you're in this state now," because it can you know maybe poll keep uh, maybe poll audio hijack to see whether or not it's recording yeah. or something like that. That's actually, I mean, it's a complicated. This is so uh, after the after the break, I want to talk about um, where we are with Apple. At, Apple automation and where it's strong. And then we'll talk about where it's weak. I, I would say that one of the things that I love about my current state of automation is that I've got all this stuff uh, working together. I wrote a six colors piece a while ago about how, you know, you can integrate uh, a command line script and a, and a shortcut and a keyboard maestro thing and a stream deck thing. And they all just kind of work. And you, on the other hand, <laughs> it is kind of ridiculous that I have to go through sometimes three or four different tools in order to get what I want. Um, and so it strikes me that sometimes I, I would, you know, I want the tools to be a little bit better so I don't have to do it. It's nice that I can, right? But I, I have those moments where I think, like Stream Deck Buttons is a great example where like I've, I've got to use Keyboard Maestro if I want to set the exact uh, image on a Stream Deck button because Keyboard Maestro does it. And I'm glad that it does, but I have things that are entirely handled in shortcuts except for the Keyboard Maestro uh, image part that has to be in. So I end up having a Keyboard Maestro macro that runs a shortcut and sets an image. And it, I don't love that, but that's where we are yeah. right now. It, um, I wanted to mention um, before we take our first break uh, that the other automations that I'm using a lot are, and this goes to like, everybody's going to have to build their own for their own jobs, but it's my favorite stuff, which is I find a menial or, you know, boring task that should be automated. And so like I built, inspired by Federico, actually, in one of Federico's uh, shortcuts involving Safari, I built a shortcut that lets me select the text from my Macworld column that I write every week. And I run the shortcut and it and it converts it to markdown and it gets the link of the URL and it it opens up WordPress and puts in using the WordPress API, it puts in 
uh, that as a post uh, to link to it from Six Colors. And I don't have to clean it up because it cleans it up. I don't have to paste in the link because it puts in the link and the headline and the story text and checks the box that says what kind of thing it is, which is an offsite link. And I love stuff like that where, sure, I could do it. But first off, they post that thing in the morning. So I'm invariably writing that thing like from bed when I'm <laughs> drinking my tea, uh, I I would rather not think about it and not have to precision post or precision paste things in various places when the shortcut can handle it for me. Or when I post the Six Colors podcast, it's the same thing. I I have a uh, it's a it's an automator finder service, but basically I right click on the MP3 of the podcast and say this is the Six Colors podcast, and it uploads it, opens Mars Edit. <laughs> Puts the URL of the MP3, puts the title of the podcast in the title field, checks the box that says this is a podcast. And it's just, I love that stuff where it's just, you know, not that I couldn't do those five steps, but I'd rather do one step. That'd be easier. Yeah. Yeah. I need that exact workflow right now because I'm doing that exact thing manually every time I publish my IMO article. And that's a good example of the exact kind of thing that. I would automate and takes me 10 to 15 minutes and instead could take me one minute and I can move on and immediately yeah. keep going, which is very powerful. I think that's the prize when we talk about automation is it's stuff like that, which is it's not the overwhelming, oh, God, Jason's got a stream deck and he's got all those buttons and what they're going to do. And uh, Rosemary's entire house is completely automated. It's it's more like, do you have a, a really awful, boring, t- you're totally capable of doing it, but it's literally like an eight step process you have to do five times a day. Yeah, you could probably automate that, and your life. Even if will you be... automate two steps, right? Yeah, you're on, like, you, just your start life by be doing two of it. Yeah, I have like thousands of shortcuts, and the average of them has eight steps in it, and that's exactly why I just kept going and kept solving new problems. And then it's like, oh god, I need. I can't believe we barely still even have folders. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we are going to talk about where we are uh, now with Apple's automation story. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Fitbod. Between balancing work and family and everything else you've got going on in your life, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that works with you, not against you. That's why you need Fitbod. Fitbod has a really clear algorithm that will learn about you and your goals and your training ability. This will craft a personalized exercise plan which is unique to you. Their app makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform every exercise. They have these really awesome brand new HD video tutorials. They shoot them from multiple angles. So you're going to get a full view on what it's like to perform every exercise so you can learn it. makes it a breeze. Their app is also really easy to use. It's got a great design. Also integrates with Apple Watches, Wear OS smartwatches, and a bunch of apps like Strava and Fitbit and even Apple Health to give you that full picture. Let me go back to that personalization part. This is what's really important. You don't want to have to look to others and do exactly what they do. What you need is something that works for you because that's when fitness sticks. It's when you'll see the results that you're looking for and that's when it becomes something you want to keep doing. Fitbod uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan. You will have instant access to your own personalized routine in their app so you can make progress on your goals from anywhere because everybody's path to fitness is different. That is why Fitbod does so much work to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. This is when fitness really started to click for me because I felt like I was doing things that were right and my other favorite thing is the way that Fitbod tracks the muscle recovery. It balances out the exercises that you're doing to 
make sure that you're not overworking anything. I really valued this. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year, but you can get 25% off your membership by signing up today at fitbod.me slash upgrade. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash upgrade, and that's 25% off if you do. fitbod.me, that's F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash upgrade, and you'll get 25% off. Our thanks to FitBod for the support of this show and FM. All right, um, back for the summer of automation. I wanted to ask our uh, our esteemed panel of automation experts who have not aud- they're not phoning it in. They didn't automate this. Uh, they're actually here. Uh, where, let's start with the positives here. Where do you think Apple and its platform automation and and you can include apps that are on the platform as well. Where where are they where are they strong right now? And then we'll follow that up by. Uh, after we're done with this praise part, where where they where they fail, Federica, where, let's start with you. Where do you think Apple's automation story is actually doing pretty well right now? Well, I think they're doing pretty well on the iPhone and iPad, where the story of the shortcuts app uh, seems to be more complete than than on macOS, and I think they're doing a good job there in terms of giving users multiple options, right? So you have the personal automations uh, that you can only set up on the iPhone and iPad, and you have the home integration, you have the share sheet, you have Siri, um, you have Spotlight integration. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, as I mentioned before, setting up these personal automations on the on the iPhone and iPad, and especially on the iPhone because it's always with you, can be so valuable in terms of um, saving time. You know, cutting down steps from processes that you find yourself doing manually every single day. I also think they're doing a pretty good job in terms of catching up. And I think if you look at this year's release of iOS 16 and iPadOS 16, what is new in shortcuts, you will see a lot of catching up in terms of bringing actions for apps that had very minimal Uh, if uh, at all, maybe, uh, integration with shortcuts before. And so you have these new Safari actions, for example, that just got added in the latest iOS 16 beta. You have voice memos actions, you have clock actions, uh, you have better mail integration. Um, So it's good to see that they are paying attention to apps that were sort of integrated with workflow, really, back in the day, that got uh, brought over to shortcuts, but the shortcuts app wasn't really taking advantage of them. And so with iOS 16, they are catching up and, and allowing users to create more integrations than ever. And from a, from a design perspective, you know, the shortcuts editor itself, I think we've seen, you know, it, it's been a it's been a long path in ter- in terms of, it's been a long journey in terms <laughs> of <laughs> getting to this state of the shortcuts editor. Um, obviously, you know, we've been through two, three redesigns in the past uh, four to five years for shortcuts. And last year, obviously, they they redesigned the whole thing and they rebuilt the whole thing with Swift UI. And that caused uh, a variety of problems, especially on on macOS. But I think now um, the design of the shortcuts editor, uh, again, on iPhone and iPad, I haven't really played around with Ventura yet, so I can comment on that. But I think at this point, I really like what they're doing in terms of doing things like choosing variables, drag and drop is more reliable, uh, picking properties from an individual variable or magic variable. So I think the story is also pretty strong there. Uh, But I would say overall, 
by far on iPhone and iPad, you have still the strongest uh, shortcuts story and presence, if only because on macOS, you're still missing those key integrations like, um, like the personal automations and the integration with the share sheet. Which is maybe happening now, but it's still kind of a kind of a half baked. Rosemary, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say I agree with Federico, and it, it does feel a little bit like um, it's it's been playing catch up. But I do feel like they're they're definitely watching what people are doing and then responding to that with adding mm. new features. So a really great example of this is you know a lot of people were trying to do things like switch their their backgrounds automatically, like the 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 uh, the home screen backgrounds, uh, the images there automatically, and their watch faces based on focus modes or other things that they were doing. Um, in the last version of iOS. And that's actually now baked into the focus modes in iOS 16, setting your watch face and changing your background. Um, and I have to say, I think like they're not they're not taking away from shortcuts. You can still do, you know, you can still set your wallpaper, you can still set a watch face in shortcuts, but they found a better place to put that that surfaces that for users in a much easier uh, way than adding shortcuts actions, which, you know, even somebody who's a little bit technical, if they've not encountered it before, trying to choose your watch face, it's tricky because you just don't have a, a picture. Like, in, yeah. <laughs> and in watch faces, you know, you've got two different um, uh, uh, modular complication ones and you, you, don't, you don't know which one's which. You have to go look in the watch app and assume that the order is the same, which it is as a side note for anybody who's listening mm -hmm. for that. Um, but, you know, that they've, they've taken what people are doing and they've, they've just made it easier for them, um, which I feel is, is great. You know, and I, I'm really glad that they're doing that. Um, you know, and similarly, it seems that like they've listened to developers. They've made it easier for them to add um, shortcuts actions and surface those for users. So inside of the shortcuts app, um, in the um, section at the the bottom, um, so on the iPhone, you would tap to go to the shortcuts menu area, and on the iPad and the Mac, it should just be at the bottom. They've got app shortcuts right there. I feel like this again is them, you know, responding to to users and developers person just bringing it all together um and it certainly feels like they are doing a good job with with pulling that all in um and you know as, as federico said you know we've got new actions in various apps like they're directly integrating with focus modes with the whole set your your filter on mailboxes and set your tab group in safari yes tab groups get some love that's good to hear um mm. you know I, I feel like that by adding to this and and taking it so you know, I have a podcasting focus mode, but then I can customize further within that with shortcuts. And so that if I want to have a separate one for uh, automators versus iOS today versus nested folders, I can do that. But I can also just leave it as podcasting or I can try and handle it all inside of, um, you know, the focus modes themselves and split it up into three. But it gives me more more flexibility and choice, which as a power user, I greatly appreciate. But I also think, you know, is good for for your, your average user in that they've got quite a bit that they can do. And when they want more, there's a safe place that they can go to find out how to do this without running into something that says jailbreak your device now, um, which I feel like is just not a good option for, <laughs> let's face it, the vast majority of users. Matthew, what do you think about where, where Apple's automation is working right now? Totally. I agree with all those points. Those are definitely like integrations are a lot better. And I love that they've been listening to our needs as the power users because that stuff definitely affects us a lot. Um, I think I'm still just super psyched on that the app shortcuts and the capabilities that they're adding to that. 
I've been following Alex Hay, who makes Toolbox Pro, and he's been diving really deep into just what you can do and the kind of capabilities that actions can have now that they couldn't really. And I don't think I really totally realized they couldn't have that before. So I think that the story of how powerful actions are hasn't matched what even shortcuts itself could do. And it's kind of confusing or even uh, Apple's other apps weren't adopting that same level of capability. Um, And so now I think we're starting to see that with the actions that they're developing and we're going to see that from developers too. So it should be a lot better. Like why can't this be automated? It can now, I guess it's still going to take time to, to roll out there. And I think for me still just the whole scripting interface, even though it's still confusing for new users, I think it's still, I still can't really do much in something like Zapier or if this, then that beyond a couple of steps and just I have some ungodly shortcuts that do all this kind of scripting capabilities. And that's still something that's only ever been approachable to me. I've never learned how to code and probably never will, but I am like a full on developer because of shortcuts. And so that still should is really understated about how much potential there is. I mean, even just the way, like we were talking about before, we all use shortcuts kind of differently and there's like 50 ways to run one single shortcut. So there's so much out there and I think getting the like entire industry up to speed with what shortcuts can even do is still like a huge thing because it's still constantly in development or I mean we can talk about the the next part too but they kind of (laughs) focused on the the Mac and then now they're like here's the Siri story and didn't talk about the Mac this year which is kind of confusing Um, so you mentioned shortcuts um being I and I agree underrated a little bit Anybody who lived through the launch of Automator, which had such promise, and, you know, <laughs> Sal came up on stage, who you all know, and it demoed Automator, and was like, oh, I, I get it, I get it. And for whatever reason, Automator really didn't get a chance to flourish. I think it was a little too complicated, and, and it didn't have any, you know, it didn't have enough capabilities, you know, and block by block for it to become... Uh, what it was supposed to be. And when I first saw Workflow, I thought, oh, oh yeah, this is what Automator was supposed to be and never made it there. And to Apple's credit, they bought it, (laughs) they integrated it, they advanced it. And it is, I mean, for all of the criticisms that we will often, and I think justifiably levy at Apple and at the Shortcuts app for the issues that we all have with it, I think it is worth taking a moment to praise the fact that it gives you access to that level of power but fulfills a lot of that automator promise which is you build it block by block and it's visual and you don't need to write lines of code and it could it be easier sure you know are there things about it that are head scratching absolutely but like i having lived through automator and the promise and the basically failure of automator as, as a thing i i think the number one thing on my list is about apple's automation today is that they they have the the vision to grab workflow and turn it into next generation automator uh, but one that succeeded rather than failed like automator did and i that that's my number one uh, praise for what Apple's doing now is that shortcuts is good. Is is it great? I mean, maybe, it, but it's it's it does have limitations, huge. But 
but it is so strong in so many ways and I, I think has so much more potential yet to be realized. Totally. I think like I'm in the realm where the only reason I'm not doing more with it is because of the those limitations. And I'm like waiting for those like shackles to be removed so I can do even more because it's just the fact that I still have like a single file list of 3000 shortcuts in the main menu that can't scale the interface is the problem, yeah. not anything that shortcuts can actually do. And so I think so much of it is growing pains and I'm just waiting for those to get resolved so that other people can join us because we're all doing this. And I think everybody else is kind of looks at it and is like, that seems cool, but hasn't gotten there yet. And we're like living in this future of drag and drop programming that Apple still hasn't even seems like they don't even like tell their audience about. And so I'm, I'm like, hello, like, let's do this. This is so cool. And I love doing shows like this because it really is like, it's so powerful and it still hasn't even gotten started yet. So I'm just stoked on that. I have one more thing that I'll say positively before we go a little negative or at least <laughs> constructive criticism, uh, which is as a, somebody who's been using the Mac since the 90s, I actually, I did not expect the Mac's automation story to be as good right now as it is. I thought mm -hmm. the, I thought the transfer, first off, I didn't expect shortcuts to actually come when it did. I, I mean, I wrote articles like several of us did <laughs> demanding that it happened, but then it happened and it's usable. That's the thing that really, I mean, from last summer, even early on last year, it was usable. And the fact that today, as we're all on the precipice of, of going to Ventura, I have many Mac automations that are based in shortcuts. And I really didn't think that would happen that quickly. I really thought we would be in a um, painful transitional period where the shortcuts didn't quite do the job and the old stuff was falling apart and that you wouldn't be able to do what you needed to do on the Mac. And that hasn't been the case. There are still cases where I don't reach for shortcuts first on the Mac for various reasons. But an increasing number of those are me reaching for an old system out of habit and not because shortcuts can't do the job. Sometimes it's because shortcuts can't do the job, but a lot of times it's not. And, and so I would put that in a win column for Apple is that it may be going slower than people would like and it is kind of complete. But I, 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 I have to say... I didn't expect um, shortcuts to be as functional on the Mac as it is, or that Mac automation would be as sort of not broken during this transition. Maybe I'm too much of a pessimist, but like I thought it would be a lot worse. And actually, it's fine. It, it actually is pretty good. Yeah, and I, and I would add to that that maybe one thing that Apple did really well, um, because I was also surprised by uh, how solid the automation story is on macOS, but they have enabled people like me who have been using Workflow and then shortcuts on the iPhone and iPad for years, and then decided, you know, I actually want to check out macOS again, and I want to play with this M1 Max, but they have, they've made it possible, they've created this path for people like me to just so seamlessly take all of their shortcuts and make sure they would continue working on the Mac, right? Mm -hmm. And so they've made it easier for someone like me who used an iPad for seven years and then decided, you know, I want to try and work on, on a Mac for a few months and see what it's like. And when I did... All my shortcuts were there and they were just mostly working. And yeah. I mean, the problems were 
problems at a technical level with you know Swift UI and how the shortcuts app itself was made uh, you know under the hood but the, the but the core of the you know the automation technologies were all there and I think that's pretty remarkable that that, that that's been possible in, in just a single release if you think about it yeah, I've been using the Mac for like less than nine months, probably, and it's like the same. Or not, not uh, Mac with shortcuts. I mean, and yeah. I think every single one of my shortcuts works on the Mac now, except for unless it uses something specifically for iOS. Yeah, and it was fairly easy to get those things. I'm, I'm sure we all did it, where you end up with the if this is a Mac, do this. If this is an iPad, do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. but you you can. <laughs> It was so easy. Like I, I had some that ran out of the box and others where I added one additional step to say, no, no, do it this way on the Mac. And then it just worked. Like uh, all the other logic remained, all the other shortcuts elements from iOS remained and worked fine on the Mac. It was just that last you know, thing in Safari or whatever that had to be slightly tweaked and pretty good for a first release. All right, let's turn it a little bit, not necessarily negative, but constructive. Where 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 is Apple's automation story lacking right now? And they, they need to, uh, what is what would a teacher say? Uh, they need to um, apply themselves a little bit more. Federico, <laughs> let's start with you again. Uh, well, okay. So if I had to play devil's advocate here, um, I would say that the, the weakest point of Apple's automation story is the risk of an identity crisis, maybe, where the shortcuts app might end up being too difficult for new users and not advanced enough for power users. So th th that, I think, is the, the single most important weak point where I think Apple should pay close attention here. Um, because you could argue, and I think Matthew actually wrote about this uh, last week, you risk of sort of making it too difficult for new users to get started with shortcuts and to understand the power of shortcuts and what it can do. But at the same time, you also, you know, if, if you only devote your attention to that part of the user base, you also risk of upsetting power users who are waiting for, I don't know, more control over, you know, conditional blocks, like more control over these advanced scripting actions or things like keyboard shortcuts like you need to you need to take care of both sides of of the of the equation here and i think in ios 16 and i mentioned this because you know if i had to point out the negatives i would say in ios 16 i see a lot of taking care of the new users and maybe very little of taking care of the advanced users because as Rosemary mentioned a few minutes ago, you have those new app shortcuts that make it super easy to get started and to discover uh, these shortcuts that developers can bundle into their apps. And they are ready right there in the shortcuts app, waiting for you, no need to set them up. That's great. And that's, you know, something that you're doing to introduce people to shortcuts. And I love it. But maybe I would have liked to see something you know, anything, something for power users as well. So maybe that's the, the single weak point that I want to point out here. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's specific stuff like, yeah, for example, macOS still doesn't have personal automations. That's something that really surprised me and I don't understand why. Or, um, it, you know, if I can mention two more, um, why is it that on the Mac I can set up shortcuts with hotkeys and I cannot cannot do the same on my iPad Pro, yeah, despite the iPad Pro having first-class keyboard support now? 
you know, there's so many of these inconsistencies, like, uh, you know, Shortcuts on the Mac has quick actions in Finder. Now we also have quick actions in files for iPhone and iPad in 16, except for Shortcuts. So, like, if I had to, to sum it up here, I would say consistency. Consistency mm. can still be a weak point, because you still, as much as things have improved, I mean, we just discussed this a few minutes ago, you still don't have that feature parity between platforms. Rosemary, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Federico. And it feels to me like the Shortcuts team needs internal support within Apple so that when something appears in the Files app, then somebody from the Files team, possibly the same person that did this in Finder on uh, Mac OS, would then work with the Shortcuts team to bring those quick actions in. Because... I don't, I mean, I suspect it, it's part of the pr the problem from that perspective is the fact that they do keep things a secret um, until pretty late in the day just to avoid mm -hmm. leaks. And also, um, you know, because if they drop something, um, you know, th they don't want everybody to know necessarily what got dropped or versus made it in and things like that. So Apple are doing a better job at WWDC of saying, and these features are coming this year rather than in September. And then it appears in March um, or whatever, which I think is is good. Don't don't load all the pressure onto people to to have it absolutely perfect for September or October when the Mac beta ships. Um, but I, I feel like there needs to be some more internal support from various things because I know um, you know like the if if you're an app developer when you write an app you have to write your own shortcut support um, you know and I'm pretty certain it's the same within Apple. Um, so the mail has to write its own shortcuts actions and support. And maybe somebody from the Shortcuts team collaborates with them on that. I, I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know. But it feels like there needs to be somebody who can pull those people together and say, hey, mail, you need to step up. Or messages? What's going on here? We need the ability to get your most recent message. Why isn't there um, a Shortcuts action for that? Because, you know, maybe, you know, it, it depends on, you know, what, what APIs and so on are available to them internally to, to fetch and call data. But the Shortcuts team can't possibly do everything. And I feel like they're getting an awful lot heaped upon them, um, which just makes things really difficult. Um, and I have to say, I do feel like perhaps the the whoever is testing shortcuts maybe needs um, or maybe they just need more testers because um, I can't paste a shortcuts <laughs> action on macOS. Yeah, it, you just can't. You <laughs> yeah, can copy bad. an action. You can duplicate an action. Um, and on iOS, you can paste an action. I have yet to be able to in over a year paste an action on macOS. And. It's it's things like that which give people a really bad impression of an otherwise absolutely amazing application. Um, you know, I had an issue, fortunately, it's now resolved in the latest beta, but in the last beta on iOS, I would start searching for something um, and um, the search wouldn't update. And so, but I would, it, something would appear. So I'd start scrolling down the list and then I'd realize that these are not my search results. And I'd have to scroll back up and tap into the search bar again at which point it would then start doing the search. Um, and it's, you know, this is a beta. I should expect it in a beta. And, you know, kudos to the Shortcuts team for killing that problem in, in, the latest, in the latest edition. But it does feel like we end up with issues that end up persisting for a long time. The touch targets for dragging and dropping actions being off is something that I oh, genuinely God. really struggle with. Oh. Like you have to like, when you're dragging something, your mouse um, or finger could be 
an inch or two above or below the Look action the that you're actually trying you just, to move. It's like being in the yeah. London and, Underground. Mind the gap. <laughs> you got to find the place yeah. where the gap is, not where your finger is. And then yeah, let and go. then the gap suddenly sometimes doesn't appear, oh, and then you have to try and like scroll yeah, up or down painful. as well, and things like that. It, it you know it just makes it very difficult um, for anybody, power user or new user, and it doesn't it give a great impression. Now you could argue with the dragging and the dropping that most new users are just going to tap an action to add it, but then you look at the suggested actions okay. in a shortcut <laughs> to add, and it suggests adding an if. Okay, cool. Nice. And then I try and add something below the if, and it doesn't go into the if, which, I mean, fair enough. You know, does it go in the if or the otherwise? <laughs> you know, the, the computer can't tell. So then I try and pick it up to drag it, and I pick it up, and oh, this time it's actually worked. But that's because it was the last action in the shortcut. If I try and pick up an, an earlier action, then it, it just kind of... Bleh. Yep. We've all been there. Especially, yeah, yeah. When you, when your shortcuts start scrolling off the bottom of the screen, I think that's when it happens. I'm I, like, I try to like build replication steps to send those in because I know that you know actually knowing how somebody has broken something is really important when you're trying to solve the bug as a developer. But it is, you know, I, I feel like the the shortcuts team needs a bit more support for things like this because it is very difficult to do everything by yourself and nobody should be an island um and you know if they got support from other teams for developing you know other great actions you know to so maps for example got multi-stop um as a as a feature so i immediately look in shortcuts for add stop to root no that that's yeah, not something yeah. that's there and that's not the shortcuts team that has to add that that's the maps team but the maps team haven't done that is that because that's not been prioritized that goes back to federico's larger point which i think is a great overall yeah. point which is it doesn't yet seem as if there's a cultural like, yeah. buy-in if you want to say it that way for at apple for shortcuts actions that if you are making an app at apple and you're adding new features one of the items on the checklist needs to be shortcut support and i get why it might not be there in a beta at the beginning but it does feel like you you should never ship a new feature without asking yourself the question, what are the shortcut actions that go with this feature? And some apps do a better job than others, but like that should just be back in the day, again, I'm sorry, in my day, uh, there was a time when there was scrutiny placed to Apple Script support in Apple apps, and then it went away, and the, and and mm -hmm. I, and they lost all of that kind of the muscle memory of that. But I think they need to build that back in culturally because, yeah, exactly. If Maps is going to add this feature, one of the questions they need to ask themselves is, how do you get to this feature in shortcuts? And sometimes it feels yeah. like they just don't ask the question. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like you know it would just be great to have more support everywhere because I'd love to see some shortcut support in CarPlay. You know, give me a button that I can tap in CarPlay that, okay, I can only interact with with my voice. Fine. That's an entirely reasonable limitation. I, it shouldn't be popping up, you know, too many things um, or whatever. But give me a button in CarPlay that I can press that starts my preferred playlist and pre like and sets maps to direct yeah. me to a specific location with these three waypoints along the way that I've pl planned out at home and I've set this up and maybe it's a route that I do regularly maybe it's not maybe I'm doing it as a one-time thing it doesn't matter but it would be really cool to see things like that but you know I feel like the shortcuts team is not small but I feel like they're being stretched especially now they're on multiple platforms and it would be really great if they got some more support so that they could continue doing the great things that they're doing and you know fix some of the this, this the problems that they've got like right. paste <laughs> Get him some help. Um, get him some help, Rosemary yeah. says. Get him some help. Matt, what do you think about what are your what are what are the tops of your to do list for Apple with automation? 
Yes, I was going. I noticed the way you phrased that. The top of the to do list, not the entire thing. Well, I mean, plenty. we would be here for hours. Like <laughs> exactly, it's, it's a podcast. <laughs> we could theoretically go in an infinite amount of time, but probably we shouldn't. I definitely think the new user thing is something that I think they maybe still have room for. Just in terms of they haven't. I think it's clear that shortcuts as a whole hasn't like fully launched in some way where they haven't mentioned it in the keynotes enough to be the user feature. And I think I think now we're kind of at the place where it's the like integration from being workflow is settled. And so I just in case people don't know, like I literally worked at workflow. So I've seen some of the inside too that I, I can't talk about, but I do think the integration even just like having these new app shortcuts capabilities in the APIs, now Apple's own teams can use those too. So that's kind of been something that's always like, how do Apple's teams build actions the same way that developers do in many ways? And they have to have those functionality, that functionality in the APIs to be able to go to that depth. And I do think the integration with the other teams is kind of the same thing. Like being able to build those actions does require the mail team to do it, not the shortcuts team, because otherwise the shortcuts team is building half of iOS at that point. But I think the other side where shortcuts is part of the OS does mean that every part of the OS needs to have shortcut support also. And that same, it needs to go back and forth. And that's just, it's, I see this all the time is people are so confused. They're like, why can't I just change this setting? Why can't I change the accessibility settings still? Like that's the other thing is People have wanted these things for the last three years. Everyday users have been asking for it. I think weirdly, like, I don't necessarily ask for it as much because I assume that they're doing these things and then sometimes it doesn't happen. And so mm -hmm. I think there is this realm where like the four of us or like people who listen to Relay have this thing of like, this is where shortcuts could be or should be. And I don't know if people inside of Apple have that same opinion or even know what we're thinking sometimes because we are just like the people who are using it to the full extent and they're the people working on it. Or even like I did workflow support for a while and so just like knowing how many parts of the app this integrates or the OS this integrates with does make it extremely complicated. And so I think that feedback process and the bugs and everything definitely needs to get resolved sometime soon because there is just the it's like if we don't report these issues i don't think they're going to get fixed and that is something that has been true in my experience and i don't want to be true and i would love for apple to proactively fix those things but it is sort of weirdly on like the power users right now to report that those things are broken yeah. otherwise i don't there is some part of like how would they ever know because we're I have 3,000 shortcuts right. and I'm running like 10, all this data through it and they're never just in that situation. And um, I could see, mm -hmm. so this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's a good one, which is, look, all of us are in the top 1% of shortcuts users, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All of us. But, and, yep. and, and there is an argument to be made that Apple shouldn't be catering to the top 1% of shortcuts users, right? Uh, it's like, what, but what about the regular users? But I think the truth is, especially for something this new with this much potential, we are exploring what's possible with shortcuts. Yeah. And as a result, as Matt said, we're also falling into the holes that nobody else knows are there. 
And it's it, it so it's useful for us to be explorers and to try this stuff out mm. and to push things to the limit, because mm. in theory, I feel like regular users will benefit from what we discover. We're the ones that are out there on the frontier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we c- come back and say, oh, you know, you ought to do this. It's not you ought to cater to me and make this thing that nobody else is going to totally. want. It, it, it really is more like I found it first, but in two years some you know regular user is going to find it and mm-hmm. and and you don't want mm-hmm. you need to fix it by then right we may be a little ahead yeah. of the curve but they're coming they're right behind us the question is though when they arrive are they still going to run into this like that's what doesn't make sense to me right. is will they i know arrive? that they will run into this and this mm-hmm. will stop them in right. their tracks and right so that's that's part of our our role, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, as explorers is not necessarily to advocate for esoteric features that are only of interest to us, but more like that we we go down this path and we discover things and say, oh, I wonder if you could do this. And then you discover there's a roadblock or there's a bug and that we can we can raise the flag and say this is actually important and hope hope that it gets handled eventually. Like folders is a great example, right? Which is most people aren't going to have a thousand shortcuts, okay? But folders are still important. Like folders should yeah. organizational structures need to exist and they finally did them in a, in a way um and I'm glad that they did, but uh you know, it wasn't just to solve the problem of the person with a thousand yeah. shortcuts. It was it was for anybody just to have I yeah. love I have folders with four shortcuts in them, but I love it because it 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 narrows it down. Like let me look at those shortcuts and and I don't need to have a thousand to use that feature. One other thing I wanted to mention about this stuff is we we talked about editing bu- editor bugs and minding the gap and all of that uh and i don't know cuz i'm i'm going to ask next about the future and i know that kind of is similar to where it's failing now but i just want to throw in as an example of uh, of us exploring the edges here that that one of the weaknesses I see, I mean, I think their Mac integration is inconsistent. It really goes back to what Federico said, which is consistency across platforms and also consistency within platforms where there are things you can do on the Mac with shortcuts and things you can't. Um, and places yeah. you can re- run shortcuts and places you can't. And the the share menu is so key to shortcuts on iOS and is kind of a fake thing that doesn't really work on the Mac that they made to look like iOS, but it doesn't do the things iOS does. And it's like they've got to fix all that stuff. But the other thing I wanted to mention is in the editor itself, in the shortcuts app itself, sorry to get programmery on you, but like, okay, I want subroutines. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, think it's terrible. Yeah, shortcut doesn't cut it anymore. Well, this is the thing is I, I don't, I, and, and a wise, like a wise figure inside Apple would say, but do you really want subroutines? And the answer is no, you're right, wise figure I just made up. I don't want subroutines. Like maybe you want to run a, run a shortcut. It's like, Yes, I know you can run a shortcut from within a shortcut, and that acts like a subroutine. So if you don't give me subroutines, you need to give me like a bundle. You need to let me bundle up shortcuts. Yeah. So I can send yeah. to a, I can build a shortcut that does some amazing things, but requires like I had a friend who just sent me his uh, little shortcut package that he worked on. And it's brilliant. But he he, he had to send me a readme file. <laughs> That included five iCloud links to download five separate shortcuts to Uh run in order for it to all work. And it's like, that's the worst. It's the worst. So, you know, that that's that's at the top of my list, actually, is is I just I, I think that these things are so powerful. And yet you can build. Here's my problem is I can build something really sophisticated, but I can't share it with anybody. Because it's way yeah. too complicated to give it to anyone else. And that's not 
in the long run, that's not good enough. I, I need to be able to share something complex and have it work. And that either means a subroutine has to be embedded in a shortcut, or I need to be able to collect multiple shortcuts together and package them in some way so that I can share them with one link. I think that's like the same kind of thing with the power user needs for the, it's like we're trying to do these things specifically to help new users too. And exactly. so mm-hmm. there are like, who else is going to do that if not us? Because Apple doesn't have like a content marketing arm or something to like share shortcuts ideas. And I mean, maybe they should also, that's another area of like, it should be in the app store and have stories about shortcuts. We should say they made some effort. I know Federico had his profile there. Um, mm. They were talking to mm. me about it. Although they they said, we really want them all to be things that use um, apps that are in the app store. And I was like, mm, well, <laughs> I don't have as many of those. Yeah. Um, See, they have that's even like a weird limitation sometimes. Of That's sort of one of the reasons I didn't want to do this at Apple is I can tell people how to use shortcuts the way that like we use shortcuts and not like the Siri approved way or something like that. Mm. Mm. I mean, the the question of why should Apple listen to to the top 1% of users or to power users, I think is an interesting one. Because if you just look at the numbers, it doesn't make sense, right? It's not logical to listen right. to 1% of your user base. It makes much more sense to listen to 99% of people and do what they want. And that logically makes sense. But not to get political over here, but it's kind of similar to the question of why should the government fund NASA? If you think about it, mm. like, why should they do it? <laughs> and that's because, and I mean, sure, I'm, I I'm here it. for the space analogy with Jason, obviously. Yep. But the, the idea is you are you are investing in pushing the limits and in pushing the limits and in discovering new frontiers, you are going to, first of all, you're going to discover something, but also you're going to develop a system, you're going to develop a structure to make sure that better tools are possible in the future. And that's the idea. Listening to power users, not power users, not just to make me and Rosemary and Matthew and Jason all happy and we're going to dance together <laughs> and clap our hands. Thank you, <laughs> Apple. No, it's not, because of, it's not because of that. It's to make sure that you can build a structure to make sure that your app can scale scale in the future. And in the process, you may also listen to power users and discover, hey, power users are asking for this thing. We're going to do it in a slightly different way, but we now understand the problem. Yeah. I I think this is really the thing of, you know, they they need to solve the problems that people are actually having, not give us the solutions that we're asking for right um because that that that's the difference isn't it you know i say hey i i need you to give me y but actually my problem is x it's, it's, there's a whole phenomenon called the xy problem where actually you know you you need people to explain their real problem with you so that you can solve it with all of the data that you have which is obviously more than we have um but I feel like they they are definitely tripping up in certain places. And one of the the areas I really love them to listen to us and I'm sure many other people in is they don't fail gracefully right now. If you've got a Mm. shortcut, if I share a shortcut with any of you that contains an OmniFocus action and you do not have Mm. OmniFocus installed, (laughs) you will get an unknown shortcut action in your shortcut. You have no way of knowing what what that action is, what app that action is from, um, or what it's supposed to do. You're just missing a whole chunk of data. Okay, so I want to share this with somebody who's using things. And they now have to either ask me for a screenshot or download things to uh, download OmniFocus to actually see what that action is and how it works. 
You'd think there'd be an app store opportunity here for cross marketing. Yeah, like... Well, I, I kind of feel like this is where app clips could really oh, actually hmm, integrate with shortcuts, where if if every shortcut action could be kind of not bundled as an app clip, because obviously it's not actually going to do anything. But the thing is, is they know what data it's taking and they know what data it's returning and they know what the name of it is. It feels like maybe they could extract that information. But right now, there's just no way for me to know what that action is supposed to be. Um, and if it's an app that has offloaded itself from my iPhone or my iPad, I kind of have the same problem. I'm just lucky enough that the app icon is still there. So I can then redownload the app that's offloaded itself spontaneously from my phone, despite the fact that the offload action was definitely turned off, but it's now disappeared in a recent beta, which is really a bug that I need to file because that, that mm. I was looking for that this morning and I was like, I can't turn off offloading apps. This is a problem. For the record, this problem, by the way, was an AppleScript problem too. If you got an AppleScript script that didn't have yep. uh, one of the apps installed, it would give you Apple event jargon instead of the logic. And you're like, what? Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. And yep. so it's, I, I was going to say that I think a lot of shortcuts fail very gracefully in the sense that they just are silent and you don't know if they ran or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I kind of feel like that's that's part of the problem. And like, yeah. I can't add um, a reveal file in Finder action on my phone even though I know that I'm going to be using this action on my Mac, yeah. I know that this is not, that I don't have Finder on my phone. But actually, it'd okay. be really cool if the action worked in files, please. Um, but, it you know, it would be smart for them to not lock things out and for, to, to let me choose to put a vibrate action in a shortcut and run it on my Mac and just ignore it if I'm on yeah, a Mac. that too. <laughs> because I, I don't, or, or on an iPad. But, like, let let us fail gracefully more easily because right now it is very frustrating when you're looking at a shortcut and you go i have no idea what actions this is using i i can see six actions and there's an if statement in here and that's the only one of them i can read well especially new new users like assume they're the problem and that's what yeah. makes me like genuinely sad a lot of times when i see people learning about shortcuts because they're like oh i just can't figure this out and i'm like no it's totally shortcuts it's not this for coming from Apple, people expect it to, to to just work and be very obvious. And shortcuts has some level of that, but there is just basic handholding. Like I wrote in my story that Federico mentioned, it's like the action description for set playback destination is like it sets the destination of the playback. And I'm like, okay, like what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just what is a playback a destination? <laughs> yeah, and like this is all stuff that I I really cared about and wanted would probably have done if I was there at Apple being like, let's do this kind of thing. So that's why it does like, I just want that. And you, the new user who eventually becomes the power user, like kind of, I, I do think of just my story. Like I didn't know any of this stuff and I read Mac stories from Federico. <laughs> and then I, I mean, I did get to like sit next to the team, which I think made a huge difference, but nobody else has that experience. And so going from zero to 100 and, what does it look like for someone who's at zero? And also, what does it look like for someone at, who's at 100? All of mm -hmm. those need to be accounted for because otherwise, like, what are we going towards if you get to the point where I am and it starts working worse because you are so into the app? That doesn't make sense to me either. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Doppler. 
In software development, secrets are private pieces of information that act as keys, and those keys unlock protected resources or sensitive data. This can be stressful to configure and to manage, especially when sharing secrets across different teams and clouds. Well, thankfully, those days are over. Because here's Doppler, the first universal secrets platform. It enables developers to automate the pain away of managing secrets, along with hidden files used to manage them, also known as EMV files. Doppler is your team's central source of truth for these secrets and their app configurations across all environments and clouds, whether they're in Docker, AWS, Vercel, or anywhere else. Doppler works where you work, and as your stack evolves, Doppler remains simple. From startups to enterprises, more than 11,000 customers, big and small, are using Doppler so they can keep their secrets and app configuration in sync across devices, environments, and team members. Say goodbye to EMV files. Set up Doppler with your team in less than four minutes. Sign up via doppler.com slash L slash upgrade. That is doppler.com slash L slash upgrade. That's all lowercase. Go there right now. Thanks to Doppler for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's move on and talk about, for our last segment, the, the future. Peering into the future, use your crystal ball. I, I'm not actually asking for predictions. I'm asking for a wish list more than anything else. We're, okay. we, know what, we know what's in the betas, so we basically know what we're going to get this, this fall. What then? What, what, what's on your list for the places in automation that Apple needs to go next federico hmm. so if it's if this is a wish list and not a not a set of predictions i would say that the, the 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 one thing i want is more integration with ipadOS multitasking i think that's that's a that's a big gap in the in the shortcuts functionality at the moment um, there's no integration with ipad well there's v- extremely minimal integration with ipadOS multitasking at the moment meaning you can only split the screen between two apps um, there's no integration with stage manager whatsoever that's the new multitasking mode from this year and shortcuts doesn't have any actions for stage manager but Really, there's no integration with multi-window uh, on mm. iPad at the moment. One of the one of the things that I uh, that I've always want well that I've wanted to do for the past three years not always but for the past three years, I've wanted to use shortcuts to put together these workspaces for me. And by workspaces, I mean take a specific window from a specific app and let me assemble a workspace for me in an automatic way. Uh, That's still not possible because Shortcuts doesn't have any knowledge of multiple windows from the same app on iPadOS. Like it, It just doesn't have that integration hooked in at the moment. So in the future, I would love to see better integration with multitasking and multi window on iPadOS. And the same goes for keyboard shortcuts, like to have a proper story when it comes to running shortcuts from the keyboard on the iPad, just like you can on the Mac. And I guess bigger picture, um, what I would love to see is, as I mentioned, the consistency, right? And the modernization of some of the older integrations. And I do think that for the next few years, we're going to get that. Because if, if uh, 16 is of any indication, I think Apple is going to continue down that path. I think we're going to get eventually uh, new Apple Music actions, uh, multitasking actions, new photos actions. There's a ton of new functionality in photos that is completely absent from the find photos action in shortcuts. So I do think the, the that kind of feature parity and that integration with the system level apps is going to continue. And then 
I would say longer term, maybe even next year, not necessarily many years from now, I want to understand what the what the what the story will be regarding shortcuts and AR or VR, whatever it is they're gonna do in the future. Because I do think there is incredible potential for running shortcuts uh, via your voice, and that we we've, we've been able to do forever, right? Uh, using Siri, but in doing that in combination with seeing visual feedback from the shortcut or, you know, choosing between options, like the combination of a voice-first activation method, but with the visual feedback provided by a headset or maybe down the road glasses, that is really fascinating to me because that type of device is exactly the type of device where you don't want to click around a lot. You don't want to interact with a classic interface for several seconds or minutes, um, having a pre-built shortcut to do something for you is ideal. So, I mean, we have shortcuts on the Apple Watch. Uh, why not do it on a headset or glasses too? Um, so that is a prediction slash wish list. But if Apple is going down this path, and I mean, obviously it seems like they are, I hope that shortcuts will play a role in that. Because having Siri and shortcuts and visual feedback all in one device, that's really compelling to me. Rosemary, what do you think? What's your what's your wish list? All right. So everything Federico just said, yep. I'm just going to steal mm-hmm. all of that. Check. Just, just <laughs> reinsert. Um, and then, I mean, I have a number. It's kind of more of a odds and groups list. I already mentioned earlier that I'd really love for the shortcuts team to have more support. And I'd really like there to be a person at Apple whose job is automation in all the things so that they get somebody, you know, they they get all of the different teams in there. So whoever was implementing stage manager also had to have support from somebody and they that would have been put together so that then there would be this the the stage manager support for shortcuts um for Federico and everybody else who's loving it. I'm still, you know, kind of on the fence about stage manager. I'm sure I'll get around to actually liking it in a couple of months. But that would be the first one. But I think also a, a better way to showcase shortcuts and everything it could it can do and it does would be really good for everybody everywhere because it works for the shortcuts team because it will then promote their things inside of Apple. It works for the new users because they get to download great shortcuts from a, a shortcuts gallery and it works for us power users because it gives us somewhere to share things. And I kind of envision this as sort of an app store-like process um, where, you know, people can submit and it goes through a review process and then it would appear in the shortcuts gallery because the shortcuts gallery is really a massively mixed bag quality wise. Some things are great. And then I just looked at the, the, one of the examples they've got there earlier, email schedule to yourself. Um, this is using set variable. Um, and you know what it does is it gets your calendar events and it repeats each one and it gets the title from the calendar event and it sets the variable title to type to the title from the calendar event and so on and so forth with a whole bunch of different information and then it says hey if the count of the locations is greater than one then add that information and so on and so forth and there's just a nicer way to do that that is not so long-winded for a user so that they actually can just sort of see it and quickly understand what it means instead of what is set variable, get variable, and add to variable, and all of these things. No, like that's that's complicated. So I think that that would be 
really nice for them to do because it would showcase app developers, it would showcase shortcuts and just all the great things. Um, and I think another way to help expand upon this for people would also be adding more smart folders. We already have folders for all of the shortcuts that are on your Apple Watch. And there used to be, and there is no longer, um, a folder for your sleep shortcuts, where all of the shortcuts that were enabled in your sleep focus would show up, which if you don't have a schedule set for sleep, then you can't turn that toggle on. It, do it just doesn't appear at all um, inside of um, the, your, your shortcut settings, which can be a bit confusing. Um, but it would be really nice if I could see all of the shortcuts that have got that enabled. And I've just gone looking again. I definitely can't see things like that. And so, you know, I feel like improving smart folders and the existence of them. Give me a smart folder for all of my shortcuts containing actions from OmniFocus things, drafts, etc. So that then I can share them with that developer um, and then they can showcase shortcuts more. Um, and, you know, also for us power users, give us give us some things that we want, like collapsing and expanding actions and action groups. Allow me to add a comment to every single action, um, you know, just by sort of annotating it that can then appear above. Um, that that action so that when I move the action, it moves with it um, and allow me to fold an if action inwards, you know, just like you can fold um, if you've got the, the file list view in Finder, like you can fold a folder open and closed and you can see the files in it or not in it. Let me fold hmm. if and repeat actions and so on and so forth and name my repeats and things like that. I, I feel like that's the sort mm. of thing I would really love to focus on because it feels like some of these would definitely serve power users more to start with, but I think that that will then end up feeding all of the other users because my concern is they're focusing a lot on the um, the the new users and it's not that they're going to lose the power users, but I feel like those new users are going to very quickly hit roadblocks yeah. and those are roadblocks that will not have been fixed um, and I know that it's really difficult to split your focus and your attention and there, there are a limited number of people with a limited number of hours in a, in a day or a week or a month or a year. Um, and so, you know, it would be good for them to get more support for that. But it, it is one of those things where folding actions seems so silly, but then you look at a whole bunch of shortcuts in the shortcuts gallery and think, wow, these could really benefit from letting me just fold this if action because I just want to skip past it um, and things like that. So... Hopefully we'll get to see some of that. I hope so. I love, let's make all these dreams come true. Matt, what's your, what's on your wish list? I think I have a, a very high level one that I just want to see is I want shortcuts to have a segment in a keynote. I want Apple to say, mm, you wow. should use shortcuts. <laughs> like, yeah. I think they should tell, like, especially because of the whole aesthetic home screen trend and people mm -hmm. using shortcuts to customize their phone to have the app icons that they want. Like this is no longer an unknown entity and I do suspect that they're waiting until it is better so that they don't tell people and they all come in and then it doesn't work the way they expect it. So I do think that's kind of that weird middle ground that we're in, but I do think that that has to happen in order for shortcut for it to just be like, okay, now it's time to use shortcuts for just the average person because I think it'll, it'll be at the right time when it'll work for them. But until then, I don't think people are going to be like, okay, I, this is the future of programming or whatever like that. Cause there is that whole story that just isn't told yet. And when it, they put their weight behind it, it's going to be a lot more powerful. There's going to be a lot more adoption and users just won't be like, I don't know. It doesn't 
it's not really clear what they're doing with this, it'll be like, oh, okay, they just told us what they're doing with this sort of thing. I feel like like Steve Jobs had a better handle as a showman, you know, because he was a master at it. I think he had a better handle on the power of aspirational items in a keynote that maybe modern Apple ha- is, is so disciplined and on message that they've lost it a little bit. And I'm reminded of a WWDC I went to a very long time ago now. And there was this dude with a beard who was doing a demo using Apple's automation technology <laughs> about how he had gotten um, classified ads set up for like a newspaper out of their database into Quark Express by running an Apple script. And it was the most amazing demo I had ever seen. And I thought to myself, and I think probably the dozens of people in the room with me also were thinking this, (laughs) like, oh, my God, I didn't know you could do this with a computer. I need to do this. I need to do this. And it was like, was I going to build an Apple script that looks in a database and then builds a layout in Quark Express? No, but it started me down a path. It was aspirational. That was Mm -hmm. Salsagoian, by the way. And then he got hired by Apple. Um, (laughs) And he got hired by Apple in part because he gave these amazing demos. And to this day, Sal's best thing that he does is inspire you to try stuff by saying did you see this thing that i made um (laughs) and and i i so when when matt said i want to see shortcuts in a keynote i mean we've seen it as like here is shortcuts and then we saw here is shortcuts on the mac but like i would love to see that aesthetic home screen thing i would love to see a moment in a keynote where somebody said look what you can do we we put together shortcuts and focus modes and personalized lock screens and all those things. And look, you tap this, what happened to your phone? You tap this, oh my God, this other amazing thing happened to your phone. How does it work? Well, we use the power of our technologies back here and you can learn more about it if you like. But isn't it amazing, right? And it's just that aspirational mm-hmm. aspect. They don't need mm-hmm. to explain every step, but they can yeah. blow you away with something and make you go, oh, I want to learn how to do that too. And I, I, that's what I would like, like to see. I'm, I'm going to ride on your coattails oh, yeah. there, Matt, and say, yeah. yes, wouldn't it be nice if there was an aspirational bit of shortcuts in a keynote at some point? Because that's, I mean, can you imagine just like yeah. Steve Jobs introducing something like short? It's like, oh, now all of the power of technology is just in these little buttons and you just have to drag. It's like so cool. He would be like, am I out in the wilderness? Boom. And he would touch a thing and say boom. And it would, his phone would totally change. And he'd be like, huh? Right. And then. Uh, right i can i can picture it right and it, that's that's exactly it is the it doesn't have to explain it all it doesn't have to be like oh well we've added this feature and it's very important it's sort of like look what you can do with the stuff we made and i i and shortcuts has that power right in it and you're right maybe not quite yet is the time but wouldn't it be nice if we got to the time where they could say you use shortcuts to do this not let me explain shortcuts to you but like just look what you can do with our devices Totally. Because they, I want them to be excited because they use it too is another part of it. Because I think that is something that I think people inside of Apple do seem excited about it. And I think I just want to see that expanded out to the users too, because it seems like people sort of don't believe in it for some reason. And probably because they opened it and couldn't figure it out. But once that is gone and other people are doing what we're all doing. I'm, I'm so excited for that time because even just like I've done so much, but there's no way I can solve everybody else's problems. And everybody has these unique situations and Mm -hmm. they all have the capability to do it too. Like that's what gets me is just that it, once you get past that learning curve, if Apple can lower that 
huge jump that you have to get into, then everybody can code. Like this is learning to code, but you don't have to learn how to code. Right. And I think yeah. that's so cool. Anything else on your list, Matthew? I was uh, I I cut you off there with my enthusiasm for your uh, keynote. I think some of the the gallery stuff. Like honestly, I the one that Rosemary mentioned is probably bef- was made before we added magic variables to the app, yeah. and then it like that was my job at a certain time was making the gallery and I can see stuff in there that I made and I haven't worked there in like four or five years. So I am a little like some of that. I just don't, I don't know. It is kind of just confusing because it's one of those things that's sort of like if the person who would have done that didn't work there anymore, they're just not doing that. And I don't want that to be the case for shortcuts. I think it deserves more. And I'm going to throw in one last uh, wish list item. And I know this is going to be esoteric, but Rose mentioned uh, CarPlay. I'm going to mention the Apple Watch and say, yeah. I I use my Apple Watch. I have a cellular Apple Watch and I go without mm-hmm. my phone a lot. Uh, if I get to walk in the dog or, or running or whatever, I am, uh, I'm using my Apple Watch on cellular without a phone. And I know it's a weird little thing, but like I wish Shortcuts was more capable on the Apple Watch. I'm not going to write the shortcuts mm. on the Apple Watch, but there there is an invisible gap between you know, will this run if my phone's not around? And some of them will, and some of them won't. And yeah. I wish I wish more of them would run and I wish it was also clearer, especially when yeah. you say put this on my Apple Watch. I wish it was much clearer about whether it can run independently or whether it has to talk to your phone in order to yeah. get mm-hmm. what is done. Because there is something, not just the UI, but the the Siri interface, being able to say into your Apple Watch, um, do this thing. Or I, I use it for like, what's the temperature now, right? Like, it's because it's me. It's weather automation. But um, <laughs> I love it. And, and yet there are other tasks that it just will spin on forever or and then finally come back and say essentially i can't find your iphone it's like well why do you need my iphone and the answer is well there's a trap somewhere in that shortcut that requires an action that must talk to my iphone and i don't have my iphone so i'd like it to be better and that's that goes back to the number one point which is consistency across platforms and and like and when when your platforms aren't consistent either try to make them more consistent or communicate why they're not consistent Mm-hmm. I do wonder if that could be resolved with the sort of app clippy type idea that I mentioned, you know, mm. because if you've got the app for that action on your on on your Apple Watch, if it can have those shortcuts actions and support for that built in. Now, obviously, you know, your Apple Watch is pretty slim down, but, you know, it would be really cool if at the very least you would get some kind of marking that would say, hey, this isn't going to work. You know, like when your HomePod's like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> And you don't know if it's that it can't do it because it didn't understand or if it ran in some kind of limitation. You know, maybe just don't respond on the HomePod with this action. You already HomePod. have that whole competition. Mm. Exactly. Of devices. HomePod is a whole other story where yeah. I feel like that like ruins the potential for like half my shortcuts because it'll just capture the Siri part and then say it can't do it. And it's like, okay, yeah. tell the computer that can do it to run it please are there other devices in this house well then perhaps yeah Yeah. like (laughs) yeah did you take over from one of them (laughs) well thank you so much for letting me uh geek out about about automation on on apple's platforms i really appreciate it in this special summer fun summer of automation episode 
of Upgrade. One last time, let me thank you all. Federico, uh, people can listen to you on Connected and App Stories mm. and read you at Mac Stories. Anything else that you'd like to promote? Uh, anything else? Well, uh, I'm hanging out on the Club Mac Stories Discord these days. And I'm posting pictures of the new desk and the new office space that I'm building. So, yeah, that's uh, another place where I'm hanging out. Nice. Very nice. Rosemary Orchard, I've got you down. Automators here at Real AFM, iOS Today on the Twit Network, rosemaryorchard.com. Anything else you'd like to promote? And thank you for being here. Oh, no problem. Um, I mean, I also hang out in various discords. I'm, I'm usually <laughs> hanging out in the Relay FM discord, but I'm also in the Club Twit discord um, where there is a weekly uh, shortcuts corner where people can submit questions that nice. I solve. And every so often, Micah throws me a curveball and gives me one that I've never seen before uh, to solve live on air, which is always really good fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, Take Control of Shortcuts 2 has uh, shipped. So uh, anybody that's got the first one gets a, a discount. Uh, off of the new one unless they bought it in the last 90 days in which case it's free and other than that you know there's a whole host of shortcuts shortcut apps um and so on shared in the book that you can just download so uh certainly worth checking that out if you haven't already nice and uh thank you matthew casanelli matthew casanelli.com seems to be the one-stop shop for (laughs) all the things you do right isn't that the point you got to funnel it all through the personal blog um i mean i've got my what's new and shortcuts newsletter that I do on Sundays. Um, and just like, I look at every tweet that ever mentions shortcuts and put pretty much put all the, the best ones in there. Um, and then I've been doing YouTube streams and I'm coming back with videos, but turns out can translating learning to code into shortcuts is, is very challenging on videos sometimes, mm. but, uh, yeah, you can check that out too. Nice. Well, thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by DoorDash. Do you order from DoorDash but wish you didn't have to pay delivery fees? Well, dreams come true. During the Summer of Dash Pass, Summer of Dash Pass, you can save money Hmm. and enjoy new members-only offers every week on top of $0 delivery fees all year round. Say hello to summer savings during the Summer of Dash Pass from DoorDash. $0 delivery fees, exclusive items and more than 25,000 members-only offers nationwide. Dash Pass by DoorDash has everything you need to make your summer memorable. With your Dash Pass by DoorDash membership, you can save an average of $4 to $5 on every order you place for delivery or pickup. That means, on average, Dash Pass pays for itself when you order just twice a month. With members-only offers and items dropping every week, you have everything you need to make the most out of summer right at your fingertips. Let me tell you, we were talking about uh, tea and coffee earlier on in the show. When we were in Memphis, uh, we were busy one morning, and the, the closest coffee place that we were, I didn't really like it very much, opened DoorDash, Starbucks right there, made our order while we were getting ready. It arrived for us. We had it, and we were out the door. Awesome. I love the convenience of DoorDash. We speak about food, but they also do grocery stuff as well. It's awesome. You can get exactly what you need, when you need it, when you want it. Perfect. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code UPGRADE2022. Shine bright during DoorDash's Summer of Dash Pass and get 50% off your first order up to $15 of value when you use the promo code UPGRADE2022 at checkout when you spend $12 or more. One last time, that's 50% off your first order, up to $15 of value when you sign up for DoorDash during the summer of Dash Pass using promo code UPGRADE2022. That's 
UPGRADE2022, 50% off your first order, up to $15 of value. Dash Pass benefits are only on eligible orders that meet the minimum subtotal term supply. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and Relay FM. It is time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions. First one comes from Zach. Since the introduction of the M1 chip, every new Mac has been introduced as part of an Apple event. How long do you think it will be until a Mac update is small or boring enough for them to simply announce it via press release? Oh, wow. What a question. I had some criteria on this. I want to see if you, if you agree with me, right? Okay. There's like a couple of things, like a couple of things I think are going on. I think they're going to keep doing them as events if there's a new chip provision, right? So whether it's M2, M2 Pro, right? Like every time they're going to have a new chip, they'll do it as part of an event, I think, for the, the foreseeable future. Because it's, hey, it's new. We can show you some graphs. We can, Johnny Saruji can talk to you in the lab, right? If there's a new design... Definitely an event, right? Of course, because that's like a once in a blue moon kind of thing. Like, here's a brand new computer. We've had a lot of it the last couple of years. Doesn't usually happen this way, right? Here's a brand new industrial design for every single Mac. For me, I would like think the first kind of like, mm, no. One of the things to remember is that they used to do this because they didn't really have full control of everything, right? Like, Intel set the roadmap and they would deliver the chips when they could or when they would. So sometimes Apple would want to put a new chip in a Mac and there wouldn't be an event to tie it up to so they just, here's a press release and out it goes. And I would kind of assume now that they have control of the timing of everything. So yes. why not add it to when they release something else, right? Like maybe I, like if they put an M2 Pro chip in a Mac Mini and it wasn't at the time that they introduced the M2 Pro in, a, in another product for some reason, maybe they would do that, but I don't know. Like I imagine for the foreseeable future, they'll just tie them to events. Apple controls everything. Right, because they control everything, so they might as well. I think, yeah, I think my guess is that the first time we get a boring press release update, it will be for a product that is getting something boring out of sync with something else for some reason. But I, I agree, it probably isn't going to happen. But like, let's say, you know, maybe next year or the year after there is a M2 to M3, let's say, upgrade that is not interesting. Like if they weren't updating the Mac Mini to support a Pro chip, I could see them saying, you know, oh, well, we and the Mac Mini gets the M2. Um, but even then, if it was, presumably they would just do it as part of, uh, an M2 product rollout and and say so. But since we have M2s now, I could see a scenario where if there's no, yeah, if there's no pro chip for, in the cards for the Mac Mini, they might do that by press release. But I, I, I think it's going to be a, that confluence of factors that'll lead to something like that. And it's a lot less likely now that they're staggering their chip rollouts and their product rollouts uh, based on, you know, their own schedule. So, so I think it's going to be a while. Yeah. And as well, because there's just so much new still going on. Like, they, they can still, like, it's still exciting, right? Like, at a certain point, it's like the M6 Pro chip is probably not going to be that exciting. Like, we know what it means at that point. Like, if they're just going to put an M6 Mac Pro in the current version of the MacBook Pro and the iMac Pro, like, that might not be worthy of the time in an event to then, like, if, if it was ready in July, would you hold it to October? 
or would you just put it out? Like at that point, we might be far enough down this road that it's not so exciting anymore, right? But for the next few, like if they have the M2 Pro chip and it's going in the current MacBook Pro and there's nothing new to announce, I could imagine that being in an event because M2 Pro is going to be fun and interesting in its own way, right? It's new. Right? Yeah. Nick Lake asks, you're handed the keys to Apple Park and told that you get to make changes to one Apple device so it's perfectly catered to your desires based on hardware specifications. What device do you choose and what changes are you making? Oh, God. My answers are so simple for this that I'm just going to get them out there because they're going to surprise no one because I speak about these things all the time. I want an Apple Watch about a screen, like just a fitness band, right? Mm -hmm. Like a nice looking, basically like just an all the way around Apple Watch strap, right? That can just track all my fitness and I can put that on my right arm and then I can wear whatever watch I want on my left arm and be truly happy, you know? That's all I need for true happiness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or... An Apple TV HomePod combo. Like either a soundbar or whatever. Just put those two things together and I'll be happy. So I'm not sure that's in the spirit of this question, which is sort of like... Nope, so, I know. This is one Apple <laughs> device, yeah, but I, I, see what, I see what you do. I mean, arguably, it's an Apple Watch without a screen. My first one is, is a little bit more. The second one, I'm just throwing it in there. But the first one, like, the, the specification is remove the screen part put all the guts inside of a watch band yeah i um i don't know i mean could it be like taking an iphone 14 and making it mini yeah well that that would that is exactly where i was gonna go (laughs) is why don't we just do an iphone 14 mini then iphone 14 pro mini okay how about that four hours about four hours of battery life i mean who needs battery life, really? Yeah, that's what it's external batteries are for, anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, something like that. Um, the other thing I was going to say is something that's the size of a mini but folds out into something larger, or even better, um, how about a, uh, a like an iPad, uh, like a folding iPad that gets goes from smaller to bigger? Because I love, I do love the iPad. I have more. I have more. An iPad Mini with an OLED display. Oh, interesting. Or a micro mini LED or whatever it's called. The, whatever it is, The yeah. good one mini in the LED. iPad. Give yep. me that. Because, I mean, honestly, you could just give me the iPad mini with the same display that the iPad Air has in it and I'd be happy because I don't care what anyone says. Maybe it's technically the same display. It's not as high quality. Like, the mini's display is a binned version of the displays they use in the other iPads for sure because it's just not as good. So, the ship has sailed on this because of the purchases I've made. But what I really want to say is M2 Pro iMac at 27 inches. That's okay. that's really the one that would be the one that I would have bought. But now that I've got the display, yep. it's not it's not going to happen. Or put an M2 Pro chip inside of the studio display, you know. And then <laughs> just ready sure. to go. Just All right. ready to go. Or nice. while we're at it, um, we're on fire now. Touch ID and a trackpad. That's a great one. Touch ID in the Magic Trackpad mm-hmm. is a great one. I'll, I'll also throw in... Um, <laughs> we're all over it now. We're all over it now. The Magic Keyboard for iPad with a function row. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. I had to put that one together in my brain for a second. But yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. With a function row so you can control 
uh, media and brightness and stuff that you can't do on Apple's keyboard for the iPad, which is frustrating. And I had somebody, uh, Jason Heiner, who I uh, have collaborated with a bunch who works at ZDNet, um, he he wants that, and he said also with Touch ID on it. And I was like, I don't think Apple's mm. going to do Touch ID on an iPad keyboard, even though the, there are iPads that don't have Face ID, and and it might work better than Face ID in certain circumstances and all that. I get it, and yet I don't think they're going to do that. But a function row, that I can slide through. Actually, no, I don't think you need that. Because the Touch ID is so close, even if it's, you know what I mean? Like, you don't need it. I agree. Apple Pencil with a button on it instead of okay. the tapping thing. The tapping thing doesn't work reliably enough. Just put a, well, put a button on it, and it will open it up to a whole set of features. Today. So, Nick, who said one Apple device. What did you expect? What did you, yeah, you choose. We're giving you a bunch. Now you can choose. Dom wants to know, how did you both choose your Twitter usernames? Okay, well, mine is my first initial and last name. Right, but the question... has been my I login. You, why J, why not Jason computer. Snow? Why Jason Snow? Because it's been my login on everything forever since I first got a custom user login in college to a Unix system. And so they are all just JSNL if I can get them. But do you remember why, like, why did you initially choose JSNL, you know? I didn't. They was assigned, first initial last name was assigned to everybody at UCSD oh, in 1989. Okay. I don't understand yeah. how these universities work, you know. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't go to university, neither did I. Would I have ever when there was a Unix machine? So I didn't mm. know that it was first letter. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Unix is eternal. It's still everywhere. I guarantee you. Now. It's on your Mac right now. Yeah, but no one's assigning me a, a username or anyone. Right in university, I don't know. You you have two children in university. Were either of them assigned a Unix username? No, but they were assigned a, a single sign-on username. Uh, okay. So they're still assigned a username. I will tell you right now, I hate my Twitter username. I hate it. Oh, oh! I also want to mention my my kids mm-hmm. are also J Snell, but they have to put like numbers and stuff after their. Oh, you username made that terrible. There's so many J Snells at the university. But, you ruined you know. the well. Not also, me. but, yeah, but there's multiple in the family. I'm... In the family, well, that's true too. You know, so you may if you had to have yeah. family Unix usernames, then you ruin that. For so, them. so I Mike, would you prefer to be Apple Mike now? No, I would prefer at Mike Hurley, which is a Twitter username that I own. But I feel like ah. at this point, I've gone too far down the rabbit hole. You know, like I'm in it now. I was, I don't know. It was 2015, and no, was it two? no? No, 2005. Oh my god, I just did that thing. Yeah, you just drop a decade. That's what happens when you get old. Oh Jesus, that feels <laughs> that feels so gross. It's 2005, and I needed a username for Gmail, mm. and I was like, oh, I did it. Which one came first? Gmail or Twitter. I think it might have been Twitter first. And I was like, oh, I know what I'll do. This, the iPod's cool. And ev- everything was I back then, right? <laughs> everything was I back then, you know? That was the cool thing to do. And so I was like, I'll get iMic. It's like iMac. That's fun. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? And now here I am. All these years later. And I would love to be at Mike Hurley. I would love it. I would love it. But I feel like at this point, I can't do it. I was going to do it a while ago, and Stephen recommended I don't do it. He said, you, you're too, it's too, in, too inbuilt now. It's part of the personal brand. But when I set up new things now, I tend to go with Mike Hurley more more often than not, to be honest. I don't, 
here I am. I'm, I'm at iMic and I don't like it. I think you could change it. I think you could move move your user to Mike Hurley uh, and it would be fine. But it's the inertia, you know? Steven's just saying that because he did it too. Yeah. Because he's ISMH and that's his initials with an I before it. So and he, he can't be Stephen Hackett because of the Genesis player. The Genesis mm. guitar player or whatever. But I could be at Mike Hurley if I wanted to be. But here I am. And Simon wrote in, haptic keyboard feedback on iOS 16, yes or no? Yes. Oh, yeah, I tried it and didn't like it. I don't know why. I like it. I've liked it on every other phone that I've used. I cannot explain this. This doesn't make any sense, all right? But look, I'm just telling you how I feel. It made me feel nauseous. Do I know why? No. Weird. But, uh, but maybe the day I tried it, I wasn't feeling great. Maybe I was because I was going through my COVID, right? So maybe I have linked those things together. And so for me, if I use the haptic keyboard on iOS 16, it makes me remember what it was like to have COVID and now I can't get rid of it. But if I turn it back on, I tried it. Like I tried turning it back on a couple of weeks ago and it made me feel nauseous again to use it. Does that make any sense? No. from long haptics. Long haptics, yeah. No, I like it. I think it's I think it's pleasant and mm-hmm. it's good to have that that extra feedback and um typing on the iPhone mini, you know, it's a little cramped. I bet. It and it's kind of good to have yeah, just imagine, right, Mike? Imagine a little phone. Weird. Uh and and so having that feedback is uh it's a bonus. I like it. I enjoy it. Yep. I'm sad I can't use it cuz it's a feature I wanted and then they added it and now I can't use it. So, you know, is what it is. If you would like to send in question of your own to be answered on the show just send out a tweet with the hashtag ask upgrade or use question mark ask ask upgrade in the relay fm members discord thank you if you are a relay fm member especially if you support upgrade and thanks to our sponsors doppler doordash fitbot and sourcegraph if you'd like to find jason online you can go to at jason l jason e double l Mm-hmm. Unix and you can you know the 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 yep. off known Unix name the Vax and VMS uh, I am generated name progressing yeah, the Mike supercomputing center I am Mike I Mike you say uh, yep mm-hmm. it's funny right like the like the iMac yeah it's funny right it's uh-huh. funny uh-huh. uh Jason is at uh, I already said that one sixcolors.com go there and read yeah. some stuff that Jason writes sure thank you to our guests of this week's episode Matt Castanelli. Federico Vitici and Rosemary Orchard. There'll be some links in the notes so you can go and find their projects. You go follow them and thank them for uh, being on this week's episode like we have. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. <laughs>